0: Yeah, it. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Episode seventy-one of the Juicebox Podcast is okay. sponsored.
1: Episode seventy-one of the Juicebox Podcast
0: is sponsored by
1: Insulate. Is sponsored by Insulate.
0: Makers of the Omnipod.
1: Makers of the Omnipod.
0: The world's only tubeless insulin pump.
1: The world's only tubeless insulin pump.
0: You probably should have introduced yourself too. No. Just say, "Hey, this is art. No. Okay. Quite frequently, I hear from people and, you know, they have topic ideas for the podcast. Some people are like, hey, I want to come on and talk about this. But some people are like, you know what I wish you would do? I wish you would do this. Today is a, is a wish fulfilled for many of you. You know, you're always asking, can you talk to a kid who has type 1 diabetes? And, you know, I always joke around, like, I don't know how to ask a, like a, a minor to be on a podcast. Like, how do you go up to some parent and be like, hey, I want to talk to your kid privately about their diabetes. You don't know me. Uh, don't worry. They'll just call over Skype. It just seemed like an odd thing to do. But recently I was speaking to Ian's mom and we were just talking about about some diabetes stuff. She was asking me some advice about things and we were talking privately and her son came up and she was telling me about how he's not very open in some walks of his life with his diabetes. It's not something he hides, but it's not something he's excited for people to find out about. And I said, "Oh, that would be really interesting to talk about on the podcast. And then not long after, she said, you know, I spoke to Ian, and he said he'd love to be on the podcast. This is 14-year-old Ian, who we start off by saying we're going to keep him anonymous because of his age, uh, and because that's how he started off wanting to be. But by the end of the hour, Ian told me, please use my full name and let people know who I am. So let me introduce him like this. Perhaps the most well-thought-out, mature 14-year-old I have ever spoken to in my entire life. This is Ian Gattapy. Ian, why don't you um, just tell me a little bit about yourself, um, how old you are, and uh, maybe how old you are when you were diagnosed with
1: type 1.
2: Well, I'm 14 years old now. I was diagnosed when I was 12, I believe. And I very much enjoy theater and writing. Um, I'm very, very into veterinary uh, studies and etc. But I also am very, you know, reclusive about my diabetes. Okay.
0: And so that's that's how we ended up talking today because I was speaking to your mother about something different and we were talking about, um, I think, how you don't like to wear an insulin pump while you're acting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that, that, that sort of led her and I down a path of conversation that we were having privately where I said to her, it's interesting because online all you really see are the people who are, who are happy and willing to be like, hey, I have diabetes, this is my pump, it's all good. But there's other people in the world who are not excited to hold their pump up in the air, and that's completely reasonable and, and, and obviously well within your rights. Not everybody has to be a running-around advocate, but can you tell me a little more about that? You know you, have, you know, you just said something interesting. You're 14 years old, and you said, I enjoy theater and writing and veterinary studies, did you say? Yeah, I, my children combined don't have three interests that sound that cool. So, um, and I have more. I have two kids. If I combine them both together, they would say I play baseball, and the other one would say I play softball. Um, no one would say I, I, I am uh, an actor or anything. So you're doing a lot of stuff for your age. You're obviously a, um, you, you know. I think we're going to find as we're talking that you're you're probably a very kind of mature kid for your age. So tell me why you're not interested in having other people know about your your insulin pump, for instance?
2: Well, for one, in the area in which I live, it's, diabetes itself is not very well understood because we have a large quantity of people down here who are type 2 diabetics. So you get that confusion, which I am okay with. I'm okay with, you know, describing to them that it's not the same, but I've done that multiple times. And for one, I'm just kind of getting tired of that. And for two... In theater and even in writing a little bit, you know, you notice that if you show that you have diabetes or something like that, the director will look at you and say, To themselves, Can this kid do everything that another kid could do who has the same abilities? I can, but I can't I don't really want to bring that up to the director because then that's showing that this is something that affects me in a big way, and they don't want to have someone who's affected with anything. They want them to be devoted to the task at hand.
0: So so your concern is that in the initial meeting period of a situation, if it's between you and someone else, and you say, I have type 1, you think the person who's evaluating might say, well, is this going to cause problems? Is this going to slow us down? Is this kid going to be able to do this? And maybe because of that, you might be passed over for something you're completely um qualified to do and not only that but, but you know your diabetes wouldn't have an impact on it but you're afraid he won't know that and make a he or she might just make an unconscious decision and 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 kind of push you out of something for no reason. Yes. Okay. And has that happened to you or is it just something you're concerned with?
2: It hasn't directly happened to me. And to be fair, there is a small chance that it could happen. But from what I've been told by people who are actually professional in this field, is if you have a weakness, and this is going for, let me give an example. If you go into an audition and you have a cold and you're having trouble speaking and singing, and you will power through it, the director will be like, awesome, this person is willing to go through whatever. But with an insulin pump showing, and that's something that I have to live with forever. And if that goes off in the middle of audition, it's treated almost to them like a cell phone. Gotcha. And if you have a cell phone or another distraction, as they see it as a distraction, not as a tool, mm-hmm. then you're not devoting all your time to the task at hand. Okay.
0: Well, that, first of all, makes it makes a ton of sense to me. Like, I can't fault you for making that decision. I think that's... I think that's completely reasonable. So do, do you treat it the same way, say, at school? Or are you more open with it at school? Or still, is it something you keep private?
2: Well, at my old school, because um, I'm going into ninth grade, at my old school, it was I was very open with it, just because I was there since I was diagnosed. And at the time, I was very open about it. And then I started closing up to it. But everyone there knew about it. So it wasn't something that I was very concerned about. But going into this new high school, I am going to be very closed about it try to keep people not let people know about it just because it's something that if i can get away from it i can and again it's not something that i can ignore and that i don't want to ignore necessarily but just that i don't want to focus on if that makes sense no it
0: it it does you're not interested in spending every ounce of your free time explaining diabetes to people Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's completely reasonable. So, so you're not, so this isn't even, I think this is important for people to hear too. You haven't had a bad experience. Somebody hasn't told, you no. you haven't been made fun of it's, it's not bullying. It is just a a, a conscious decision on your part to not spend all of your time talking about type one diabetes.
2: Well, actually a bit to the contrary, I have been made fun of for it. I have been bullied because of it. But that's not a big decision factor in trying to keep it private.
0: Okay. Would you mind explaining to me how bullying
1: happened around it?
2: Well, uh, no, not at all. It's it started off as people uh making an agreement amongst themselves and not including me in the agreement to treat it as though it were type two diabetes. And so I always get how the heck can you do something if how can how the heck can you have this if you're not that fat? which that's insulting not only to me, but my grandfather is a type two diabetic. Mm -hmm. And so that's insulting to him. And I do not take lightly to insulting my family. Sure. So that led to a bit of a conflict. And then there were, there was this big thing that happened last year in which, um, some people took advantage of their disability that they had. And I was dragged along in people were saying that I was doing the same thing with my diabetes because I had to get out of class to save my own hide when I was going low or going high or etc.
0: And you weren't doing that, but you, no, not at you, all. you got lumped in with other people doing, it. okay, well again, there's stuff that there's real world situations that I don't think that anybody sitting at home just trying to imagine what their kids going through at school would ever think that would come up. You, you know, like I, that's not something I've ever considered. Um,
2: well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And most of it is, speaking from my own perspective and from talking to other kids who have not gone through a medical situation but who have gone through other situations, books and stuff directed towards parents cannot express enough how if something goes bad at school, unless you they are physically hurt, kids will not talk about it to their parents. Because we know ourselves that if we do there is a 90% chance that something will happen and that is not going to be let go by our peers. So it's something that we don't want to bring up with parents. So it's not something that a lot of parents do consider because they don't hear about it.
0: So you don't want to say something sometimes because you don't need your parents marching into that school or calling somebody or causing more of an issue.
2: Well, it's not that I don't want my parents getting involved in marching to the school. Um, but it's more of that I don't want my fellow peers to know who are, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, putting down, putting me down, if that's...
1: So
0: you've got la- you've got people judging you already, yes. and then if you bring so, someone else in...
2: Yes, because that's almost showing more weakness than they're already perceiving.
0: Right. So we hit this kid, and he couldn't take it, and he had to bring somebody back to fight for him, and now we're going to hit him twice as hard when, when these people walk away, probably. Precisely. Yeah, okay. Um, does any... Of what you've described, has any of that made you not manage your type 1 during the day? Have you ever ignored blood sugars or not given yourself insulin or because you, you didn't want to be seen? Or, or do you not let it get that far?
2: The only time that that has happened is during theater, for which I can't do anything about it because I'm on stage. And the part comes first for me. But again, that's not saying that I won't take care of it when I'm off stage. As soon as I'm off stage, I run to the dressing room if I can to get myself a shot or to get myself insulin. Right. Um one of the hardest times though for me in taking care of my diabetes, in which I actually did, as I'll admit now, kind of neglect it, was when I was in Peter Pan, I was playing John, and when we would fly, we had these flying rigs. Well, if you're wearing a pump on a flying rig, It is very painful, Mm -hmm. ridiculously painful, but I had just gotten the pump, so I couldn't go off of it. We would have to change all of our insulin and then change it back as soon as the show was done, which for a four-week run was not worth it. So for all of Act 1 of a three-act show, I was not wearing a pump. So I was getting no basil, and I was not able to bolus for it until about Act 3, and that was for each Saturday of those weeks, two shows a day. And one show every Friday, every Sunday, and for dress week every single day. So that was that was definitely a hard time for numbers wise and diabetes. And state.
0: so right now you don't have an insulin pump because of concerns like that, is that
2: right? I act- no, I actually am back on back on the pump. Oh, you are. Yes, I am going into the Fine Arts Academy at my school mm-hmm. that I am going into, and. I have we found this wonderful program called The Untethered for Pumps. Have okay. you heard of it?
0: Um, maybe, I'm not
1: sure. Is it's it
2: where do, it's where you do seventy five percent of your basil through Lantus and the other twenty five percent through your pump. Okay. So that way when I go off of the pump, let's say to go run on stage, I still have basil working for me.
0: Excellent. And, and that, that way that's really interesting. Have have you been doing that long?
2: No, I have not. We did it for about two days when I started back on the pump, and then I decided to go full on the pump for when I'm in school and I'm not actually performing. So that way, I don't have to leave class to give myself a shot. I can do it discreetly.
0: No, I'm interested to hear how that works out for you. That's really cool. Now, I know there's, I I know of one performer who listens to this podcast, and her name is Kelly, and she 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 acts in in plays. I think in Manhattan. Um. um if I'm remembering correctly. And she said that after listening to the podcast, she used to hide constantly and she stopped, but it was something she was doing well into adulthood. Um, just like you, for a lot of reasons I'm assuming like yours and all of them seem completely legitimate. Y- y- you know, I mean, I don't honestly, it's a weird parallel to draw, but I mean, if I was a football player and I showed up at the field and I twisted my ankle, but I taped it up really good and I thought it was going to be Okay. I may not tell the coach that, right? Because I wouldn't want him to think that that I couldn't perform, and, and then give somebody else my spot. Um, I, you know, I think that's sort of a similar thing to what you're doing. I think you're saying, look, I'm going to be fine here, but I don't need this person wondering if that's going to be true or not. And and you because you're going for something. I mean, it, it obviously sounds like you're not just you're not messing around with theater. You seem to love it and, and be very entrenched into it. So this is something you're trying to make a life
1: with.
2: Uh, actually, no. I would rather make a life with writing than theater. Okay. But theater is definitely something that I am very passionate about.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: What kind of writing do you do?
2: Um, I actually I write scripts and shows. That's excellent.
0: Do Do people read them? Or are they just for you right now?
2: Um, I've actually I've had people read them. I have one musical that is currently being produced wow. through a local theater company. And I have one show that I wrote that has won multiple awards, including Best in Show at the State Junior Thespian Festival for Florida. Jeez.
0: Ian, you're really impressed. I wanna remind people as they're listening, Ian is fourteen. Um my children are still sleeping. So <laughs> you're, uh, you. you're you're really doing really cool stuff. Is this um is this just who you've always been? Have you always been driven and focused?
2: Um Driven, yes. Focused, that's, that's questionable. Okay. I have at any given time when I'm writing, I never, I am very, I'm very bad about this. Like if anyone is thinking of going into writing, do not listen to me. But I have more than one thing going at a time. So I'll jump from script to script to script. And, but as far as being driven about it, as soon as I start, I don't, I don't storyboard. I don't do any of that stuff that you're supposed to do but I just let it flow through. And as soon as I start actually developing a solid storyline and get my characters dialogue set within them, then I am done within 48 hours.
0: So, and I don't think you should, I don't think you should apologize for how you write because I wrote a book a few years ago that was published. And, um, when I was being interviewed about it at one point, someone asked me how long it took to write and about my, my process and everything. And when I told them, I heard back from my publicist very quickly, and they were like, "Don't tell people that anymore." And and I said, "Why?" She said, you, you made it sound a little too easy, and 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 she goes, it, "It could be insulting to people who are writing or reading or they, you know, and all this." And I was like, "Oh, I never thought of that." Was, and and she told me, she's like, "People have a have a have a view of how they think these things happen, and if you come in." And Say I don't do it that way because people won't take you seriously and I have to admit I, I stopped saying I stopped telling people so um, Don't apologize. I think however it works for you is right. And uh, And that's just really cool I mean, I wanted to write when I was a kid and never had the nerve to until I was an adult So I, you're you're just way ahead of most people. It's it's fantastic.
2: Thank you. Well, you definitely you definitely have a talent to be able to write to book I have attempted that on multiple occasions, but if you've ever read Cervantes, who wrote Don Quixote, Uh which is my favorite book, I am like him when I write. I describe every single pebble and every detail because I like to have that control. Mm -hmm. So that's why I stick to scripts, because I can only control the dialogue, and that works a lot better for me to keep it more... Oh, what's the
0: word concise? Uh, Ian, I think it's lucky we're keeping you anonymous here because if not, your mom would have to lock the door. A bunch of parents are going to show up and try to adopt you. Um, <laughs> just said Don Quixote. Everybody's like, did he say he's fourteen? So okay, so um, so let's talk a little bit about being diagnosed at twelve. Um, mm-hmm. You're going along, you're 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 having a regular life like 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 everyone expects, and then what were the first signs
1: of of the type one?
2: Well. Um, I guess, I love to ride my bike a lot, mm-hmm. like around town as much as possible. When um, you're not
0: riding or acting or taking care of animals.
2: <laughs>
1: Correct. Yeah, okay, go ahead.
2: Um, we have this hill right outside of our driveway, and it's not that steep, it's not that high, But I realized that as soon as my momentum from going down our driveway was lost, I couldn't make it up the hill pedaling the bike. I had to get off and walk it up. Mm -hmm. By the time that I got up to the top of the hill, I was out of breath, and I could barely move, and I was like, there's something wrong. Then on the first day of school when I went, right before I went to go get in the car, I threw up, and I realized that that was something odd, but you have to be there for the first day of school to get your syllabi and whatever. So as soon as I got in the car and we were going down the road, I couldn't read any of the signs, so we got home, and when my mom saw me about to get into the shower, she noticed that she could see, like, my bare bones, Mm -hmm. and that was not normal. So I went to the hospital, and my blood sugar could not even be read by the meter, and so we got in. Blood sugar came down fairly easily, which was blissful, Um, and so, yeah. That's, that's just what
0: happened, <laughs> and then all of a sudden everything was back your your vision was clear, you got your energy back, and that insulin really is it's pretty fantastic when you need it for certain um, I, I I watched my daughter go from like a skeleton to a person in like two days of having <laughs> insulin after she was diagnosed so um okay, so then leaving the hospital, did you leave with like injections or were they talking about an insulin pump with you or what what did how did you begin taking care of things?
2: I left with pens and we stayed on injections for about two years until we started hearing about the pump, then we went to Friends for Life, mm-hmm. which was awesome, I've, I thoroughly enjoyed that, but it was, I, very, I am very thankful for that experience because I got to see all the different um, people barking for the different pumps and learning about each one so I could make an educated decision as to which ones that I should choose, right. and I am currently on the Animus vibe. Cool.
0: Uh, it's excellent. Well, good for you. And do you use a glucose monitor? Yes, yeah, You would no, use a Dexcom. Okay. Um, okay. Jeez, I did not expect you to be this. Um... When somebody said to me, like, you should interview a kid, I was like, that's a great idea. Then I thought, oh, I'll have to pull everything out of them. I was like, but you could talk forever. You're fantastic. <laughs> so, um, oh, okay. Thank so, you. No, you're very welcome. So, I, I have a couple of, uh, um, I guess I have some questions. I don't usually ask a lot of questions like that. I usually... Um, I'm more conversational, but do you have close friends who are sort of in your diabetes bubble or not even there? Like I sometimes, if there's people at my house and Arden's pump needs to be changed, depending on who's there, she'll do it in the kitchen. But if it's people she doesn't feel really close with, she'll leave and go to another room. Um, Do you have people you would change your infusion set in front of? Yes, um, but one of
2: them... his brother has type 1 diabetes, so that's just, you know what's happening. Just. Yeah.
1: It feels like okay. there,
0: there's a comfort there. He, he would already <laughs> understand.
2: You, and my ahead. my other one is my best friend, James. We've known each other since as long as we can remember. And so there's basically nothing that we could hide from each other if we wanted to. Yeah. So it's just no use in trying to go into another room and waiting. But for everyone else, then, yeah, I'll leave as discreetly as possible. Keep,
0: keep it to yourself. Okay. Um mm-hmm. When, so I guess if you're a director, so you, have, you are acting for people who flatly don't know that you have diabetes?
2: Yes and no. Um, like, the most common directors at our theater do know just because they were directing me when I was first diagnosed, and they kind of had to know because we didn't know what we were doing ourselves, so in case something went wrong. But uh, for some of the other people, like my agent BMG in Orlando, they... They don't know, but if they looked on the forms, they would know that, yes, I have type one diabetes, but it's nothing that they put out to the directors or casting directors.
0: Okay. And then at school, is it's, I mean, I'm assuming at school, your teachers know. They have to legally, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and do you visit the nurse for things or do you take care of things in the classroom?
2: At my old school, I did. When I... Starting this upcoming school year, I will be fully independent. Cool.
0: Oh, that's excellent. That my daughter doesn't go to the nurse, and she really loves not going to the nurse. So uh, I think you will too, probably. I, especially mm-hmm. because you sound like you're forty-nine years old when you're talking. So I think you I think you can. Your mom said he's like a he's you know he's like an adult. And I was like, oh, people say that all the time. That's so cute.
2: You would be you'd be very surprised at how often I get that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think I would be. Uh, so, so, do you do anything? Let's get off of diabetes for a second. Do you do anything that I would think of as common for a kid your age? Because so far you haven't really mentioned, I mean, riding your bike, I guess, but, you know, then you diagnosed a disease while you were doing it, so it's not really the same thing. And and so is, do you do anything that I would commonly think of as blissfully wasteful 14-year-old living?
2: Um, would you consider golf or chess? <laughs>
0: No, I don't think I would either. <laughs> so, you're not running around trying to find a Pokemon or something like that? or.
2: Well, I actually, um, I am, the kids who I am friends with are very involved in Pokemon, so they tried to get me started on that, but then I found out that it might be a data breach, and I have too many documents to lose to that, so I'm going to wait until they update that.
1: That's
0: beautiful. All right. Listen, I think you've said it all right there. Okay. Okay. So let's move on. a little. That's fantastic. So, okay. So let's talk about, um, like your, your goals for your diabetes during the day. Are, do you have a range you're trying to keep your blood sugar in? Like, what are you shooting for and, and how do you make that happen?
2: Well, um, before we started listening to your podcast, which by the way, I thoroughly love. Thank you. There, we were doing the whole 80 to 160, but if it goes higher than that, don't worry about it, just get it down. Mm -hmm. But then we started listening to what you were saying, and so we're doing the whole pre bolusing stuff that has helped tremendously. Oh, excellent. And our goal now is between 80 and 200, but if we go above 200, that's a big deal for us. It used to be, and I know you're probably going to faintly hear this, but when we were above 200, it was, oh, don't worry about it. Just get it down when you can. Mm -hmm. And it was sometimes spiking up 300, even 400 sometime, and we weren't batting an eyelash at it. We were just trying to get it down.
0: So, So would you say that the only real difference is your attitude towards the number and what you were trying to accomplish, or... Did you have yes. to change it, – it, so it wasn't a big thing. So Because that's what I say sometimes to people. I was like, if you can keep your blood sugar steady at 200, you could probably keep it steady at 90. You, you know, like the, you're, you're keeping it steady. You just have to move the number. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you are finding that to be – I don't want to say easy, but it, but it wasn't a difficult transition?
2: Um, it's not so much easy, and it's not a difficult transition either. But I, I very much enjoy to cook so let's say I'm starting a scanty or something like that. Then I know as that you I have do. To, Go ahead. <laughs> then <laughs> as I start that I have to think, okay, how long is the pasta gonna take? How long is the shrimp gonna take? So I have to calculate that and know when I'm gonna pre bowl us, but it's also not a bright idea that when you have butter or capers, juice all over your hands to try to bolus and also not watch your pot at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's more complicated thinking and also Thinking of if by chance I'm at 200, the rule is now I have to be in range and dropping or dropping at double arrow down before I can start eating. So that's that's a lot more to think about, but it's also not something that's too significant to think about.
0: So Ian, when you listen back to this, um, when it comes up on your podcast app, this is where I'm going to put in the ad um, for Omnipod. Because I'm going to want to give people a couple of minutes to absorb in their minds that a 14-year-old just said, like, you know, if I'm about to make scampi and I have capers on my hand. And it, and I'm just going to let that all just kind of, like, blend into people. So um, if you want to say right now, here comes the ad, go ahead.
2: Here comes the ad.
0: There are a lot of ways to get insulin into your body. You can use a needle. You can use a pen. Uh, you can use an insulin pump but you can only use one insulin pump that doesn't have any tubing. And, you know, if you don't have an insulin pump yet, but you're thinking about one, you might think, oh, they all have tubing, but they don't all have tubing. The Omnipod doesn't have tubing. The rest of them do. So if you want a self-contained insulin pump that's just futuristic, that just sort of adheres to you, just, you know, boom, right on, holds all the insulin and everything else inside that it needs, and then there's a handheld controller that tells the pump what to do, but those two things are connected by magic. Actually, I don't think it's magic. It might be Bluetooth or something like that. But anyway, uh, it's it's there's no tubing. So you don't hold the thing in your hand with the insulin, push buttons, and the insulin pumps through this long tube and into you, and then they all have to stay together, which means the controller is now stuck in your pants pocket or in your bra or down your pants or wherever people put them, and the tubing is running all over inside your clothing. That's not how it is with Omnipod. With Omnipod, there's this little tiny pod, and that's it. No tubing. That means going swimming, playing baseball, running around outside, enjoying summertime for all it is, without being tethered to anything. Always getting your basal insulin. Always being able to bolus for whatever you want. A snack or whatever. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let Arden, in her best Miranda Sings impression, tell you what you need to do to find out more about the Omnipod. You ready?
1: Hello, my fellow citizens. I think you should go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo to get a free no obligation
0: demo pod. Goodbye, my peeps. That's a solid Miranda Sings impression, Arden. Okay, myomnipod.com forward slash demo, or the link right in your show notes, right in the player. Click, 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 or online if you're listening at juiceboxpodcast.com. Click on it, check out the demo pod. I think you're going to like it. Okay, let's get back to Ian and see what incredibly mature thing beyond his years he says next. Okay. Excellent. Um, (laughs) that's really good. I'm not, and you know, I can actually hear that you have a great sense of humor that's above your age because you, you are laughing with me. You, you are not, you don't feel, it's interesting. Really. You don't feel, you you don't feel made fun of in this situation. You know, I think it's delightful and, and you can hear all that. Um, and so you are really tuned in. So I, I, it really makes what you said about um, not wanting to show people you're pumped during your acting, it, it, it really adds more validity to it because you seem like you really do see the outside world as it's happening. So, you know, I think it's very easy for people to say, oh, just don't worry. You you know, just do what you you just be you and screw everybody else and they'll adjust to you. And I do believe in some of that. And I do think that even as I'm talking to you, that as you get older, you will adopt some of that as you get older because you just sort of have to as you age. But mm-hmm. it, but at the same time, I don't I don't think of what you're doing as hiding or being you know um, not brave. I think of it as a, a very realistic reaction to what uneducated people about type one diabetes may may do. And there are people in their life in your life that have sway over you, and you can't always get them to see things the right way. And mm-hmm. so and so when that's the situation. Making adjustments to get what you need is, you know, I think that's surviving. I don't think that's giving in. Y- mm-hmm. y- you know what I mean? Now, now at the same time, if something like this came to a head and, and a director turned on you and found this out on their own and pushed you and told you you couldn't, I'm imagining you would push back?
2: Well, yes, in two ways. First, proving that I could. And two, there is actually a law that says unless someone is fully incompetent to pursue a task via a disability, you are not allowed to exclude them for reason of disability. So therefore I would call that as a statute and of course use that to,
0: but it's your inclination to not just go waving that card around if it's not necessary.
2: That is like a Derringer almost. You keep it with you To protect yourself if it's needed, but you don't, it's not, it's not strong enough to use at any circumstance. And it's not weak enough to use at any circumstance.
0: I will pause the show uh, when I edit this and I'll put in the um, definition for Derringer in case people don't know. Um, And (laughs) how much do you read? And do you get your vocabulary from your reading, do you think?
2: Um, Yes. And also I was a very weird young child. I didn't watch or read many fictitious things. I was, I've read the encyclopedia <laughs> to give you an idea.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I, so because I, earlier when you talked about there being insulin pumps at children, at friends for life, you described the salespeople as barking for the, for their product, which is just, you know,
1: well, my, maybe
0: a forties word. And so like, you know, like I was like, wow, that's really cool. And, 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 and so you did, all right, do you, how are you as a student?
2: As a student, before type 1 diabetes, I was a straight-A student. Um, When I was diagnosed, the first year was very hard because I was, from then on, I've been A B just because I've been going down to the clinic so much trying to get things regulated that I've been missing class and stuff. So that's been harder. Um, But for the classes that I'm actually, this year, since I was in class more than any year since I've been diagnosed, I was... Straight A, except for Spanish, but that was the class right before lunch where you have to kind of be not focused on the class and more focused on what your diabetes is, and that was, considering that that's also a foreign language, it wasn't the most desirable pair.
0: Well, so that's well, that's interesting. So that in in the, the class that leads up to your lunchtime, you are now thinking about your pre-bolus and what you're going to eat and where your blood sugar is, and, and you're giving... That's taking you know computing power away from you um, while while you're while you're trying to learn something else, and I think that's another thing I don't know that parents would think of. Y- y- you know, so um, why don't we go through that for a second? So now that you're pre bolusing is saying, how do you when when in when in Spanish class did that start coming into your head? How long before lunch began?
2: It started about fifteen minutes before we actually went to lunch, and the main thing was. Senora Bean, who is my Spanish professor, she was she's an incredible teacher. There is no doubt about that. But she does review at the first part, then you have time to work on whatever work you need to catch up on the language, and then she starts to talk about either the language, how to speak it, or about cultural things and all the things that she speaks about. She will bring up on a test or in some other circumstance. But that was towards the end of class when I had to start thinking about other things. So it was deciding. Which to think about because if you multitask on something as profound as diabetes and Spanish, both of which I would very much like to and need to know, mm-hmm. that multitasking would be like just throwing both of them to the wayside. So you had to choose at this time, I'm going to think about diabetes, at this time, I'm going to think about Spanish, at this time, I'm going to think about Spanish, but maybe not diabetes or maybe vice versa.
0: No, that makes sense. And, and, and plus, you're giving yourself insulin while you're sitting in a classroom before you're really near your food. And so do you ever worry about, I mean, do you ever pre-bolus in a way that makes you think, gosh, I hope I don't get low before I get to the food?
2: Oh, certainly all the time. Yeah.
0: Now, um, yeah, it's got to be a big concern. I, I think about it every day for Arden. So.
2: Well, one of, the, one of the biggest concerns for me is like the other day when we had steak and I was cooking the steak and I pre-bolused right as soon as I put them on the grill because it wasn't going to take that long then as we started eating i started eating the steak well by the time that i got to the rest of the meal i was already low and i wasn't i was like I, what the heck i pre-ate 15 minutes before i started eating but then i realized i was eating protein and not carbs mm-hmm. so then when i pre i have to think okay what am i eating in? what order am i going to eat it which is another thing to think about which is you know not not that fun it's not a about. lot
0: of fun and and so how how so the, is that you might be the perfect person to ask this up. So I always think that when my daughter gets older and she starts really absorbing what all goes into diabetes, sometimes I'm afraid she's going to feel badly about the amount of effort it took for her mother and I to, to to do those things. Um, but you're seeing them now and, and you have a really good way of kind of diagnosing things. So, um, do you ever think about about that? Do you ever, like, look at your parents and say, wow, there's so much going into this, and and it's, you know, I mean, I don't know if that ever strikes you or not. Do you, do you ever think about oh, their side of it?
2: It hits me all the time, and, like, it's very hard to think about that because my mother, every night, I don't wake up to the Dexcom at all, which frightens me beyond belief yeah. because if I'm in college or by myself, and I don't, have anyone to wake me up to that, that's not a good situation to be put in. But my mother will wake up in the middle of the night and fix me and then she might not be able to get back to sleep. And that's a very hard thing to think about. And also, they're just, they're willing to do whatever. And, you know, even if they don't understand something, they'll try. And if I have something, this is what makes me feel very happy is when I know something that works, and then I get a counter to it, and I know that it's not. I'm countering just to counter. I'm countering because I don't understand this, and they're trying to understand it. That makes me feel good because I know that they're actually, they're paying attention. They're willing to do this, and it's funny that you know, if if they weren't willing to do that, I would probably not be here thinking the way that I am.
0: Yeah. No. So yeah, it's their effort kind of kind of shapes your effort too. <laughs> it sounds like so. Yeah. And and your effort seems. I mean it's huge thinking about this kind of stuff at your age is, is big.
2: And also at, at the same time, you don't want to, for, for parents and my, my mom is, and bless her heart. She's not one of those people who is helicopter parenting, which I, I personally, I don't, I don't agree with helicopter parenting at all. But my mother can also sometimes get over-involved. And to me, that's not like a problem. It's not something that I will ever hate her for because that's showing that she's caring. But at the same time, if you're, and I'm speaking on behalf of some other type 1 diabetes kids I know, and maybe all of them I'm not, maybe not, but you don't want to be as a parent overly involved too because it's all about having that independence and learning it for yourself because if you're doing everything for your child and you're always there for them – they're never going to be able to leave your side or they're going to do it at too late of a point to live a normal life and you don't ever want to do that to your child.
0: Yeah. Do you think there's probably a tipping point for what age that happens at for different people?
2: Um, I believe that it truly depends on the child but if I had to set a standard age, you should start letting them be on their own at about age, I want to say 12, Mm -hmm. but you shouldn't do it all at once. You should start again as... As I believe, no offense to you or to anyone who is listening to this, that if you're starting to let them go do it gradually, but again, if they're willing to, if they're ready to do something and they just, they want to, and it's not going to hurt them, like they're not saying, hey, I want to go jump off of a bridge. But if it's something like, hey, I want to start doing this by myself, let them do it and don't dial them back until they mess up. Because again, screwing up is one of the major points in learning. I would not be able to write like I do today if it weren't for the workshops that I've gone through. People have said, hey, you screwed up this text. Why don't you fix that? So then I know, hey, I'm a I'm not doing my perfect writing now. I am not a perfect writer. I need to fix that as an example.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's wonderful advice. I mean, that's what we've been giving it over to my daughter slowly. And sometimes it feels like it's going too slow. And sometimes I, I see these big leaps that happen and I realize it's not going as slowly as I, it feels like, you, you know, and, and it's a lot to give over to somebody else too.
2: Well, one of, one of my favorite my favorite ways of thinking is there is no such thing as too slow or too fast, just too many mistakes.
0: Okay. So, how, how do you mean? Um,
2: if someone is very scared of going into diabetes – Well, I'm going to give this as an example, if that's okay with you. Please. My friend James, he does not want to drive. He is very scared of driving, just because he was one of those people who looked up, like, there's this one film that you have to watch for drivers that it's called Red Asphalt, and it's legitimately what happens if you mess up. And he's very afraid of that. So I'm trying to wean him into driving, and his parents are trying to do that. So it's him, and he's going very gradually. He's like, okay, maybe I'll start this class, drivers' head. maybe I won't. Maybe I'll think about this. Maybe I won't. And it's him going and taking it very easily. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like when you're going into a spring, you want to take it slowly so you don't get shocked by that cold water. And there's also not too fast because if someone says, I'm ready, let's go. And they go into it. That's their speed. You're not holding them back. So that way they can think about it at the speed their brain works. But there are too many mistakes. If someone jumps into it or they're going too slowly and they make one mistake right after the other, And they're not changing their pace or they're not changing their way of thinking. That goes to Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So that's the point when you as a parent or as a friend need to step in and say, hey, look, you're messing up. You need to change something here, not something big. You don't have to change everything that you're doing. But you just need to change because it's not healthy for you to keep
0: doing this. And obviously this isn't working and you're putting in all this effort and just banging into the same wall over and over again. So what if we just tried something slightly different and see if maybe by your count, if the mistakes lessen, it's a good indication that you're on a better path. Yes, sir. Excellent. Jeez. Listen, you know, I don't know how you live there, but I—we uh, have a pretty decent life. I could offer you a nice room. I'd have to move one of my kids out of it, but I think they'd be comfortable in the garage. I don't—I <laughs> don't mind. Um, honestly, they're both a complete letdown compared to you. So, um, I'm don't I'm, say that to no. your children. <laughs> they would know I was kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much assuming they don't listen to this podcast, too. so. Uh, <laughs> but but you, you really are. I mean, you've been more insightful in the last forty minutes than many adults that I know. And, and interestingly enough, it seems like you may have been like this before diabetes. Sometimes I meet people who I think the diabetes has really focused them. Um, but I think maybe you're an interesting situation where your focus has helped you with your diabetes. Um, and and so um, how are you affected by when you go in for your A1Cs? Do they feel like report cards to you? Or do they just feel like mile markers?
2: Um, both and first, let me say that assuming my mother is going to listen to this, um, I do definitely take into effect what an A1C is. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, when they go and they see that A1C, they look at it as if it's too high, I'm going to die and need to change everything that I'm doing, or if it's too low, which I think that's only if you're below five then they sometimes see that if they've had previously high A1Cs, that that's a good thing when it's not. You, there's a, a specific place to keep it. Mm-hmm. But so many people look at A1Cs as report cards, which I don't think they should be. I think they should be looked at more of as mile markers. I agree. Because if you're trying to change everything that you do in a span of three months, you're going to fail. It's, it's just it's a given. Um, and even if you work so hard at success, you're failing at other parts of your life. So it's very much so a gradual change that you have to make, but it's also a gradual change that you can't just ignore.
1: That's a
0: balance. And it seems trite to say that, but it really, everything has to be balanced. You can't, you can't be, you know, have great over, if you're a parent, you know, keeping a blood sugar perfect overnight at the expense of your exhaustion is, Mm is just trading one horrible thing for another. Um, and maybe because it's your kid, you're willing to, to be the, uh, to be the, the person who takes the, the side of the beating. But mm-hmm. it, 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 long-term, it's not, it's not something you can keep going.
2: Well, and also this is a good way of, of thinking about, you know, trying to manage diabetes as a parent of a kid or as a kid yourself with a parent who doesn't have diabetes. Um, have you ever been on a plane and as they're going through the safety spiel, they say, put your oxygen mask on first and then help the people next to you if they need help? That's how you should think about it. Because what that's saying is that's not saying that you have to be selfish. That's saying that you and this other person have to think for yourselves first before you start trying to help each other. Because that way you're both thinking about what's gonna be best for you, but you're also thinking in the future what's going to happen. Yeah. So you're not being selfish in saying, look, Can you make it through one night? I just need to sleep before something big that's happening tomorrow. You're not being selfish. You're thinking for something that you need. Just like we're, as diabetics, not being selfish when we say, hey, look, I know that this big dish of pasta is 100 carbs and I really shouldn't be eating it, but it's been like a year and I just really want this. So I'm going to deal with the high numbers for this one day.
0: Well, it's funny. I think what you just said is something that probably most parents of kids with type one completely understand um intellectually and then they have trouble um making that real in their in their reality because it's hard to it's hard for most people to to think of themselves before their kids and that's something you know you definitely won't you won't understand how that feels till you maybe have a kid but at the same time I think that what you just said, probably to all the parents who are listening now, might mean a lot to them. Because I hope they can imagine that you, you might be the one on the podcast, but that most of their children would have answered the way you did.
2: And to, to revisit something that you said earlier, um, what you were saying is, you know, a lot of people think that it's uh, just be yourself and then let the world put up with you. Um, that's something that I can agree with, but I also, I have to disagree with And a lot of people do think that way about diabetes and about just other stuff too. But if you're, if you have that mentality and everyone has that mentality, no one's going to get along with each other. And a lot of, you know, parents with type one that I've seen and even my own parents, and I'm not condemning them for doing this. I, you know, I don't, I don't want them to feel that way. But a lot of people say, so what? You have a disease. It's you're a normal person. Well, you know what? You're, to be quite honest, you're not, but you can be normal. You're not a normal person, but you can be normal, if that makes sense. Sure. No, I know. And the fact is, if all of us, if we think, yes, we'll be ourselves, but we're also going to make it so that the world can put up with us, In the way of thinking about this, which is why I choose to hide it more, because I'm being myself in how I normally act, but I'm also making it so the world can put up with me so that I'm not constantly saying, Hey, this is how you should be thinking about this. I'm letting them think their own way. So that way it's just, it's more, I'm going to use the word harmony.
1: You,
0: you've just said in a, in a, what's going to end up being an hour of you at 14 saying things that are more mature than many adults. That was the most mature thing that you said. That's it's not just mature in it's evolved. And, Thank you. and no, you're, you're very welcome. And, um, I, I'm assuming you have a plot underway to take over your house from your parents and probably, uh, put them, make them the children. I'm, I'm assuming they're bright people too, but obviously you should be in charge. And so, well, we just um, got a parlor. So that makes me happy. There you go. You could like rub your hands together and sit there petting a cat or something like that. And, um, And, uh, and, and obviously you should be in charge of things. I'm considering contacting the RNC right now and telling them that, um, they may, you could be a better candidate for president than the one they've got. And, uh, and, and maybe the DNC too. everybody. Actually, you are, um, you are my new best friend. I would like to have you on the podcast over and over again. I hope you don't start your own podcast because I'm afraid people would listen to it instead of mine. And, uh, I can't believe I'm not kicking you off but just to kind of move towards the end of the show like I, I you you really are just a delightful surprise. So, no no, you're you're very welcome. But thank you for for being that way. Um I just to be able to articulate yourself is beyond your years in the way that you did. And and your thoughts are clear and multi-leveled and considerate of other people, which is not something children usually can pull out. They're usually very worried reasonably. So with themselves and, and the things that they see right around them, um, you, you're, uh, you're like Gandhi, but smaller and, and, uh, maybe not smaller, honestly, but, uh, definitely younger. Uh, it, it just really, I mean, I, I know that it sounds weird because I'm doing the math here. I I, I, I'm significantly older than you. Um, and I, I, I count myself as a reasonably, uh, reasonably bright person but i have to ask you do you have and and you don't have to tell me what it is but are you aware of what your iq is i'm putting Uh, you in the 130s
2: i i when i last took the iq test it was to get into the gifted student program Mm -hmm. uh i know i got into that um but my parents have not allowed me to see the iq test but to quote the creator of the iq test he created it to diagnose mental illness and mental <laughs> retardation. And he actually frowns upon it being used to measure intellect for intellect. Isn't so that something? that's something I used to be very obsessed with that. But then when I saw that quote, my main thing is even when I act and when I write respect the creator. So, and thinks. that's a religious thing too. So if he said, don't use it to measure intellect, I'm not going to use it to measure intellect.
0: Well, I, I'll tell you that when I was in grade school, Uh, You know, the, the whole idea of, um, finding the quote unquote smarter kids and, and and putting them together was a, was a, was something that was being done in the seventies and the late seventies, which I I don't agree. I didn't agree with that. And I don't agree with now, but so I've taken that test school kind of ordered, I think four times, um, and I've always scored the exact same number each time, um, And when I look at that number and I see where it falls on the chart, but I know how my brain works, um, cool. it doesn't seem to correlate exactly. Like, like for instance, in I um in eighth grade failed out of algebra. Like I I, I genuinely went up to the teacher about halfway through the year and I said, "Look, I'm never going to understand this. Uh, I know it's too late to drop the class, so I'm going to sit in the back. You can fail me. I'll go to summer school, take a more remedial math class, and and I'll keep going." And and so there's that. But I would also tell you that, you know, to to overuse an idea, if the zombie apocalypse came, you'd want to come get me because we'd be there at the end still. Like, so my, like my, the way my brain works isn't classically academic. Um, And when I meet people whose brains are very classically academic, I'm always in awe of that. I think it's amazing. Um, but I much prefer seeing people who are balanced and you seem very balanced and that's, that's just really, um, inspiring.
2: Thank you. And well, to bring up what you said, a lot of people like when they put the smart kids with the smart kids, I think that's one of the stupidest idea ever ideas ever created because then you're not allowing them to teach or even for the less smart people to teach the smarter people. Just to see
0: other people be and see how they are. and and, Right. And I will tell you that that was a failed experiment. And in my own experience, uh, I made my parents take me out of it because it was very – it was too closed off and strange. And then all the – you know, it was like a bad TV show. Like there was the super bright kid in there who knew everything. And there was the girl in there that was really smart, but she looked like she was going to be picking at her skin all the time. And, and you know, it was, it was like a badly done sitcom. And I was in there and a bright person who couldn't finish a project, didn't know how to do math. Like, like didn't, couldn't possibly care that he was in the class. And, Mm -hmm. and, and it was just this, it was a weird microcosmos that needed to be released into the world. Because like you said, you can affect other people. And mm-hmm. and maybe they take a little bit of you, and maybe you take a little bit of them. And that's how everybody builds and gets better. And you know, to, to tie it together, it was very nice of you to say, I mean, I have to admit that before you told me that you've listened to the podcast a lot, I didn't really know that. And and to hear that something happened here that positively affected you, and now you and I are talking and you're positively affecting me, I mean, that is, that is this whole idea of community. And and um, and how everything gets better, honestly.
2: Well, and that's education too. You, a teacher can recite to children and make them regurgitate back what she said, but unless she also learns something from them, it's not education. It's lecture,
0: right? Yeah, and then and then uh, anybody with a with um with a slideshow presentation could be doing it. Then then that's that's not like you said. It's not teaching. It's just it's just mm-hmm. throwing something up there and forcing somebody to. To 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 hold it in, okay. Um, and go ahead, please.
2: Bef- before we go, I would like to say just one thing. Mm. Um, a lot of a lot of people look at like type one diabetes and they see a disability, or they see like someone who's not normal. Which, granted, you you kind of can see that ethically, but when I do stuff, I don't like to look at it as good for someone who has type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why I I just want it to be good. Right, right. And that's why, like, one of the shows that I wrote, it's a very mature show. And I don't want it to be good for someone of my age. I just want it to be
0: great. Yeah, no qualification. No qualifying it. Just
2: it's... Like, that's why for the show, I'm almost thinking of using a pen name for it so that way no one can say, oh, it's good because he was 14 when he wrote it. No, I want you to leave there thinking... What did I just see? And who is this person who wrote it? And when they can't find anything, just be amazed.
0: Yeah. No, that's really something. Yeah, you're... Well, I I, listen, I I would normally be afraid of making a 14-year-old's head too big by saying what I've said to you, but you just don't come off like that would affect you even. And and so I'll say one more time, this has been a really... uh, It's been a treat. I hope people listening feel the same way, but... um, i i feel like i'm i'm talking to a to a peer and uh and and a well thought out person and which to be perfectly honest and not to offend the people in my life but you don't always feel like you're talking to people who are uh considerate of their lives you know sometimes you just think people are just talking to fill the space and and almost every word you said here today had meaning and uh, and i just really appreciate that so thank you for coming on and doing this
2: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And you know what? You can actually, you can put my name out there. I don't care about being anonymous.
0: Oh, you're just delightful. I will, I will leave that to your mom. Uh, but I will, uh, but if, if the time comes and she's okay with it, um, I will, I'll definitely introduce you. You deserve to be known if, if you, if you, uh, if you want to be and if your mom's okay with it. Okay. Ian, have a great day. Thank you so much.
2: And you as well, sir. Take care. Bye.
0: I mean, come on. How about Ian? Genuinely, I felt like I had a new best friend by the time I got done speaking with him. I was just completely impressed, and I even find it insulting to say that, because it almost demeans who he is. I I was really impressed with his thoughtfulness, his answers, his ability to consider his life. Um, it just seemed beyond his years, it really did. So I appreciate you coming on, Ian. Thank you very much. Great luck with your writing and your acting, and your capers. All right, listen guys, I'm on uh, you know the social medias at Arden's Day and at JuiceBox Podcast. Please find me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever you're you know doing your social mediaing. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast please go to iTunes, and leave a rating and a review because it helps the podcast to be found easier in searches. Thank you so much to Omnipod for sponsoring the podcast, myomnipod.com forward slash demo with links in the show notes to try your own demo pod. And lastly, come on, we haven't said it in a couple of episodes. Nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be
1: considered advice, medical or otherwise. Find a doctor. This is a podcast.